I had a lot of DT energy where like I could make big moves, but when I looked around, did I really have people around me that loved me? No, they were afraid of me and they were afraid of the power I had. And so of course I could make things happen, but it, it wasn't effective. And you know, the way that I show up today, I still have intensity and you, you do somebody wrong that I love and I will still fucking cut a bitch. Don't yeah. you worry. Are you ready to decide it's your turn to live your most purposeful, profitable, passionate life? I'm Christina LeCure, former professional golfer turned confidence and success coach. I truly believe every one of us was put here for a God-given purpose and it is our responsibility to live that fully. For well over a decade now, I've been turning my life as well as countless others around from feeling unworthy, incompetent, and without a purpose to living a life I cannot wait to wake up for even on days when shit hits the fan. And it all started with a decision. Yeah, you heard that right. I said God and shit in the same sentence. So clearly this won't be your typical podcast, but what I can assure you is that each week myself and my guests are going to enlighten you, fire you up, and having you walk away with stories and strategies to not only boost your confidence, but give you hope that at any moment in time, you have the power to decide it's your turn. Y'all, welcome back to the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. Do you guys know what the Enneagram is? Because after today's show, I will tell you, you 100% will. My guest today is Tracy O'Malley, and this podcast is going to be like nothing that I have recorded before. We jumped right into it. We talked about all of the things. Tracy truly is a transformational leadership expert. You guys, her podcast is amazing. The leadership formula, she didn't even mention it on the podcast because we were jamming on all the things. Even in the middle of the podcast, something happens and we use that as a lesson. You guys are going to love today's show. Please enjoy. Share it with all the people. I'm obsessed with this woman. Y'all, I'm super excited for today's guest. I'm actually selfishly very, uh, very, very excited because I have been talking to this woman for the last 25 minutes before we hit record, and we could have done a whole segment on everything that we've been talking about. I'm sure we'll hit on a few more. My guest today is Tracy O'Malley. She is a leadership Pardon me, she has absolutely crushed everything there is to do in training leadership and the Enneagram, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I totally got off track, Trace. I had a like a total great intro for you, but we've been jamming for 25 minutes, and I was like, shit, girl, we got to just hit record and do this damn thing. So I'm super excited you're here. Well, first of all, I'm honored, and second of all, I hate fucking intros because they're just so like, well, I'd much rather just like get into it, and people are going to know who we are just speaking our heart and our passion and whatever God designs us to talk about. So screw the intros anyway. They're overrated. Oh my God, I love it. And then let's just dive in and talk about all the fucking things. So we've talked about so far about like why the Enneagram has truly like benefited every single thing in your fucking life. We've talked about your sobriety. We've talked about the fact that we've been in the industry a really long time. We've talked about the fact that we have absolutely no in our alignment for what is important to us in our life. I mean, we could dive into any one of these things. I think my audience would truly like be so stoked for us to talk about any of them. But I want to talk about like more of the Enneagram a little bit right now. So one thing that I said to you before we hit record and you're like, oh fuck. So I'm a three and my husband's a one and you're like, oh my God. So let's just start right there. Why is that so bad? Tell me all it's the not things. Bad. It's like, it's like with any, cause I get asked a lot, what types are great for each other? All of them are great for all of them. As long as we're our healthiest version. And the reason I said, oh fuck is because the one, <laughs> the, one the three and the eight, are often mistyped for each other because we, we, we just are intense with whatever we believe, right? And our fears, like there's an underlying fear for each Enneagram type. And when that gets wounded or exposed or like you poke the bear a little bit, how that kind of rolls can look very different for each of them. And because the Enneagram one, they want, you know, independence and control right? Oh Eight, yeah. That's my husband. Independence and control, but there's an underlying difference to that. And the three is like, I want achievement. I want significance. I want, um, you know, to know that I'm important in this world. And if it goes against a one's 
scale, because they're very black and white thinkers, that one is. Everything is either good or bad, right or wrong, not a lot of gray area. And a three on the way to a goal doesn't care how gray area it gets as long as we get there and get there fast. So that can really rock the foundation of a one, right? And the black and white thinking can really get in the way of a three's quest for success sometimes because it can slow you down, which a three doesn't always love to do, right? You're just like powering through life. And so when you're healthiest though, oh my God, a one and a three together, cause you got like the goal setter, let's fucking go LFG, right? And the one is saying, well, let's do it with integrity and at the highest of standards. Like I call the one, the sheriff, right? Like they are integrity, high standards, high quality, which is awesome. And when a three can take those parts and let's fucking go, like bulletproof. Like that's why you guys work so well together. But when things aren't going so well and he's rocking your need for speed and you're rocking his need for like higher standards and the right way, that's when it can clash. That's why I said, oh fuck, but it's awesome. Oh my gosh. That is like so freaking bang on. It's so funny. The one thing I will say though, is he's actually been the person in my life who has taught me a little bit of gray. Like he's like, not everything is black and white. He has actually been one. (laughs) Yes. He's been so beautiful in that because I grew up like a black and white mentality. Go ahead. Well, that's the beauty of a one as well. And we'll talk about this. We already kind of, you know, jonesed on this a little bit is so many of us are fixated on just our type and we're actually connected to four other types in a weird sort of way. And your husband being a one, he has the ability to use a nine wing or a two wing. And that nine wing is like, if Jesus was an Enneagram type. I believe Jesus was a nine on the Enneagram. It's that like ultimate peacemaker. There's a difference between peacekeeper and peacemaker, but the, the black and white thinking of the one, like I said, isn't always the right tool for the job. And your husband has a nine wing as well, which is like seeing the bigger picture and what's for the greatest good. And he can care deeply, but challenge directly, even if there is some gray area. So when he is like that, he's not necessarily in his one. He's using the tool of his nine wing, which is fucking awesome. Oh my God. That's so cool. But yes, when you said he is like a rule follower, I'm like, literally we'll get like a, like this literally just happened the other day. We got like some piece of furniture or some shit delivered and I didn't have the time. And I was like, look, take me for ice cream. He's like, that chair has been sitting at the front door for like literally a month. Let's put it together. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound fun. Well, I opened the box and I'm like, let's just start going. He like literally opens the oh. box, counts the tools, looks at the thing. I'm like, it's a fucking chair. Like surely we can just like understand like that the arm goes where the arm is but he loves rules like he loves doing everything perfect it is just it's very hard for me i'm like are you serious sheriff, I told oh you. my god sheriff. my but, son has a one wing and he's in that a lot like almost all the time and i do the same thing with instructions i had like a traeger i'm like going at it. he's like mother no, let's lay it. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this either. But I do, but I do think this is so, so beneficial. If you guys are listening to this, I know you're going to get so much out of this today, but like, I do think this is super beneficial for work because Nathan has been bringing in a ton of people into his company lately, like consultants. He obviously needs you there, but people listening, people learning what they do really well. And I think like his, um, weaknesses are that because he triggers so many people because one of the things that he has understood that he's really trying to learn is he like it almost looks like he's punching holes in his employees like they'll come and they'll bring him something and he'll give them all of the reasons why like did you do this did you do this why won't this work and he's like he's now understanding that it's like bringing down the morale because people think that like no matter what it's never good enough for him yeah like I have the hardest time with unhealthy ones. Um, But I also give them probably the most grace and compassion because although they can appear very critical and like nothing will ever be good enough, I also understand that internally that's multiplied by about a thousand for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so although, yes, it does bring morale and most of the people don't get what the fuck is happening when they are nitpicking things. Um, I can look at that a little different. It's still challenging because it's like, God, it, I understand your need for high standards and, and high integrity and like that, they always make us step up our game. Like, thank God for them. 
but they are also missing the mark on how they can effectively lead people because when people don't feel safe to come to them and they feel like it's going to be picked apart, then people are going to hide. They're not even going to try. Um, they'll be secretive or evasive. And that's not how you bring up the best in everyone. You can bring out the best in them by acknowledging some stuff and maybe easing up on that. But also saying, and this is how we're going to improve. But there's like this beautiful elegance that can come, A, when your husband can recognize how others might receive him. That's the first step in the Enneagram is learning yourself. And when I learned about being an eight, how that BDE I have, that big dick energy and big deal energy, you know, I'm a girl. So like, <laughs> I love that. I'm not swinging one, but understanding that I have that and how others may receive that just by me walking in the room. Back in the day when I was an asshole, I would have used that to manipulate. And I did, even without understanding this. Now, when I have, I know I have it. Like before I even enter a room, I know people feel me. And with great reward comes great responsibility. I love that I have big dick energy and I'm, I love it, but I use it in integrity and for the greatest good. And knowing that there's going to be people in the room that are going to be drawn to me and they don't know why. And there's also going to be people that are going to be scared to death of me because they know I see it all. And especially threes, unhealthy threes freak out over me. They're like, I am running from her because you guys are so good at just showing up and being amazing. But sometimes, you know, you have that kind of imposter syndrome or comparison or like, what the fuck? And I see it. And so that can freak people out. But recognizing for your husband to understand that even though he's 100% right, probably all the time, they are. But how they deliver that and how they express that means more than him being right. And finding an elegant way to express the high standards in a way that people can receive it and want to show up bigger and better for the greatest good of the vision, the company, whatever, the home, whatever it is for you, that's the sweet spot in this. And me being an effective leader, like eights are powerful. Powerful as fuck. You think about an eight, you can have two eights next to each other. There's Mother Teresa, who's an eight. Most people think she's a two, but she's actually an eight. And regardless of what we think politically, Donald Trump is also an eight. But how that gets expressed looks very, very different. One is used a little bit more responsibly. One is a little bit more off the rails, at least emotionally expressive, right? That's just true no matter what we think politically. And how people receive Mother Teresa is a little bit more open than maybe how they receive Donald Trump. Right. And so if Donald, the big DT, could learn how to express his power, which is amazing in a lot of ways, in a more responsible, integrity filled, um, compassionate way, chances are he would have been received a lot better. Right. And same thing with me. Like before, when I would exude my power, I was very DT like. Like it got the shit done, but it wasn't always effective and it didn't always leave people feeling really good. Most often they would do things because they were scared instead of because, yes, I feel that. Yes, this is going to be scary, but she's got it and she's got our back like Mother Teresa does, right? Like she's like loving and compassionate, but Mother Teresa, the original Mama T can call shit out. Like you see how like on there's whatever our superpower powers are on the Enneagram. We all have them and we all have very unique superpowers. And when it comes from love, compassion, empathy, service, and grace, they're superpowers. Mother Teresa. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I have when? actually recorded a podcast called, we all have superpowers. How crazy is that? Well, here's the, the crazy part about our superpowers. Those same superpowers. Are we? Mine, mine is an eight. Um, big action, protective, big moves, like not afraid. Those same superpowers turn into kryptonite when it comes from fear, insecurity, unworthiness, shame, ego, which is DT, right? And guilt, right? So those same superpowers that I use to move mountains today, which are beautiful and powerful and people feel so safe with me, no matter what they're sharing with me. Those same superpowers were the wrecking ball of my entire life and took it down to the, the freaking concrete 10 years ago, I'm still the same person, but how I express it and the come from and the motive behind it is very different. I'm still an eight. I'm always going to be a little bit of an asshole, but it's always coming from love today. Doesn't mean it's always going to be received that way, 
but I know it, God knows it, and I'm okay with whatever anybody feels about it, even if it's, they're not ready for it. You know, so you can see the difference. Back 10 years ago, it was all coming from fear and insecurity and ego. And I actually did give a fuck, but I would never let you see it because you'd just see the domineering aspect of me. Oh my gosh, there's like 8,000 things that we could go right there. But I totally, I totally agree with you about the Donald Trump thing. And it's so interesting that you say, say that. Oh my God, because he was actually, so when the election was happening, um, Ed Milet had two, I don't know if you listened to it, but he had two different um, people on his podcast. He had someone from the left and he had someone from the right. He actually had uh, Donald Jr. from the right. And then I think he had, um, I can't think of the guy's name from the left, David something. Anyway, one of the things that Ed said was, is there any way that you can get your dad? Like he needed an Enneagram coach and he would have won that election by a thousand. He needed you, Trace. He does. I I mean, he would have been reelected if he could. Oh, by a landslide. And the thing that Ed said, which is exactly what you're hitting on. He said, you need to have no, someone needs to feel as if they could go for a beer with him and that they could hang out and no one feels like they could go for a beer with your dad. And he said, can you get your dad to do that? But that's exactly it. What you're hitting on, right? Like that's exactly it. His personality is the thing that kept him from that presidency because it, I mean, you couldn't no. go for a beer with them. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like when I really like unpack and reverse engineer the last 10 years of my life, I had a lot of DT energy where like I could make big moves. But when I looked around, did I really have people around me that loved me? No, they were afraid of me and they were afraid of the power I had. And so of course I could make things happen, but it it wasn't effective. And, you know, the way that I show up today, I still have intensity and you you do somebody wrong that I love and I will still fucking cut a bitch. Don't you worry. But I don't have to lead with that all the time. There's a time and a place. And, you know, the wings, like if DT could lean into this nine wing a little bit, like this looks really, really different. Mm -hmm. Really, really different. And so many of us are operating from the place of fear, insecurity, unworthiness, and ego, which is taking the very foundation of what God gave us and turning it into a wrecking ball in our life. It doesn't mean we have to change who we are. I am not changing who I am. I'm exactly who God designed me to be back 50 years ago. I really, really am. But how I have expressed it and learned how to express it responsibly and with love and compassion, my God, that is where the magic happens. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you because like I am not the same version of myself that I was 10 years ago. And, you know, for me, I I talk about like it's the mindset work, the confidence, all the things. But my three, like even the things that you were thinking about when I was on uh, or when I was playing college golf, I remember to this day, my coach called me the intimidator when I was on the first tee. Like, I mean, everyone was intimidated by me and the Like, that's like the confidence that I now have. But it's so interesting because back then it was not the way it was on the inside. I've always said like over the last 10 years, my life looks pretty much the same, but everything is hundred percent different because the inside of me is different. Like I am now confident as hell before I probably looked like it, but today I'm actually showing up in that power. So it's exactly what you're talking about. Like inside versus outside. Yeah. It's interesting. Like back 10 years ago, if you told me I was intimidating, I would like salivate. I was like, Oh yeah, that was the point. Mm -hmm. I don't ever hear I'm intimidating anymore. And because I'm not feeding the ego that is hiding behind that, that protects me or keeps me safe or keeps your image a certain place, like, cause you're kind of operate a little bit, we're behaviorally and even sound a lot alike, but motivationally you and I are pretty different when it comes to like what we're protecting that part of us. And so that intimidating, I mean, yeah, you're a very strong. So what's the difference between the three and the eight? Because I know people are going to, because a lot of my listeners are probably three eights. Let's be honest. Um, what are the, what are the main differences there? So I'll give you an example. Like I was mistyped originally as a three and I understand why, because behaviorally I look very three, like, like put a goal in front of me and I will kill it and I yeah. will win. I will win. However, yeah. I 
am not motivated at all like a three. I don't do it because I believe my worth isn't what I do achieve or how I appear to the world. The only goals I really will crush are the ones that keep me from having to ever rely on anybody or being put in a vulnerable situation. So if you fast or rewind like 10 years ago, I fell into network marketing, which is so not like what I would typically do ever. Um, but the time in my life, I was six, six months out of rehab. Um, you know, I'd been walked out on. Um, I walked away from my career. I kind of fell into this and I saw the possibilities in it. Like if I tried to do this today, it wouldn't happen. But because I was in a position where it was either I was going back to the corporate industry where I felt so fucking controlled and violated and betrayed all the time and probably back to using my unhealthy coping mechanisms or I figure out a way to use who I am to make this work. And so the reason I do things is to not be betrayed or violated or put in a vulnerable situation. The reason you do things is because you believe you're a better, worthier person by what you do achieve or how you appear. Very different motives. Do you know this about me? You probably don't know this. You've been following me for a really long time, but like we don't really know much about each other. How I originally started, which was so crazy, is I started using the hashtag worthy AF, worthy as fuck, because my whole entire life, my worth came from what? I did instead of who I was. And like five years ago, when I really started in this industry, that was the exact thing I said every single day. Like I literally lost blood to my head screaming from, cause it clicked. I was like, holy fuck. Cause every single thing I did, whether it was making the money, playing the golf, losing the weight, having the eating disorder, all of the things, because my worth came from what I did instead of who I was. Holy motherfuck. There we go. Do you see why Enneagram threes that aren't as healthy as you feel me coming and they're like, get that bitch away from me. Totally. Because I could expose you. And oh my God, what would the world think about you if I said, you know, this Christina who thinks she's all that and she's like won everything in her fucking life. You want to know what's really going on behind the curtain? Like, can you imagine if I was a dick like that and did that? Like, that's why unhealthier threes are a little bit like, whoa that you're scary, but people like you that are threes that are goal driven, you're champions of other people that, you know, when you're in your healthy places, you can expose your vulnerabilities and, and mistakes. Cause I am so vulnerable. Like, yeah, I that's the difference between the three. Yeah. Cause I'm like, there is nothing. Yeah. 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 That's so interesting. So you can see, I mean, we sound totally, like- we sound very similar, but so different. Different. And that's the difference between, and that's why a lot of eights are mistyped as threes and vice versa. The eight is the most mistyped because their behaviors are so obvious. Because, I mean, you have eight energy, but you're not eight. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot of times the behaviors kind of play out in these online assessments. But like when I was, you know, mistyped as a three, I'm like, that's inaccurate. Like behaviorally, yeah, I can look like that, but I don't care. Like, in fact, like recognition and attention makes me feel like I'm going to be put in a vulnerable situation. More attention means I could be betrayed and violated, which is like the death of an eight. Yeah. So when I went from zero in that network marketing company to a million dollar income in two years, like I didn't even recognize that I was getting all this attention and recognition. And then they threw me up on a stage in front of 20,000 people a couple of times. And I was like, Oh, the eight in me does not enjoy this. I'm really fucking great at it. I can kill it. But the eight in me is like, this is too much on people's radar. Threes want to be on everybody's radar. Eights do not. We'd we'd rather kind of sneak up on you and you never see us coming. Oh my God, that is so insane. This is going to be so helpful for so many people because I know it's like crazy, ridiculously helpful for me because I know that there's so many people who have very similar, you know, I don't want to say issues as me, but like where I was, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago, where I was completely changed versus what I am now. Um, But yeah, all that to be said is, hold on just one sec. Fuck. 
So you guys, I just had to stop the podcast. This is like the middle. I've never done this before, but I have, was on a trip and my luggage was supposed to be delivered today. Like I respect my guest time so much. And I sent a message ahead of time. I sent an email ahead of time. I like called the guy. I was like, just leave my fucking luggage on the front step, please. And thank you. I'm recording a podcast. This is very important. This man has been like knocking at my door and calling me like three times and like, I treated him very kind at the door, but I kind of wanted to punch him in the face right now. (laughs) But Tracy just told me that this makes so much sense. So let's just talk about this, you guys. Yeah. You want to know what, you guys? She has like apologized probably 10 times in the last two minutes about it. And like, la, 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 la. And I'm like, girl, we're good. We're good. We're chill. It's no big deal. It's life. And the Enneagram 3 like how that she's worried subconsciously, probably not even aware of it until right now. Like, oh my gosh, what must my guest think of me? How unprofessional that like this is happening. So a three is worried like at their core, even though they confront it and and play it off and pivot like nobody else. Like she a little bit like is a little rattled by that. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to go over on time. I'm not being respectful of her time. What will she think of me? I'm really this, like, maybe she's going to find me out. Maybe I'm like, like all of a sudden, like this loop starts running through her head of how will I look in her eyes? You know, I think it's, I think that's a hundred percent true. I do think that like, I was very, you know, I'm always trying to be like super respectful of people's times. I'm trying to like, be like as professional as I can be, because it's so important to me. Like what I get to do is so important to me. And I want people to always find value. And I want you to know that like, I'm respectful of your time as well. Where do you think though? Like, what is it? Cause I think this is really, really helpful because I do believe like that all of those things are true, but I also believe that like, no matter what you could get off this podcast with me or my guests could hear this. And I, they were like, Oh, she's, you know, whatever she is. And you could be like that girl. I'm never doing that again. I do believe it would never stop me. And it wouldn't even really slow me down. Like, where do you think that is? Like I could get over it really quickly because I'm like, no, you know what? I'm a human being. It fucking happens. It is what it is. I am professional and I don't really give two fucks. Like where does that actually come in? Well, there's a few different options here. Okay. Yeah. A, you are healthy as fuck and you are moving on. And I think for the most part, that is who you are. I really, really do. A lot of threes will say that, at least verbally, and try to convince themselves of that. But internally, they're going to be up at night like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that happened. That's not you. I know it's 100% not me. I would never let that slow me down. I know that. So a few things are happening. We have your wings, which are a two and a four. And so the three is like this, like, see the goal, hit the goal, make it happen right? On one side, you have the two, which is the compassionate helper, right? This is all about being like of service to others. Like being respectful of the time is very too like you're, you're compassionate, you're kind, you're loving, you're about the relationship. Very, very cool. On the other side is the four, which is the individualist. It's like zero fucks. Like I am who I am. Just accept me. Like they're on this constant quest of who the fuck am I? right? So you've got those elements that really help support the three in you. Like when the three is like, go for it, bulldoze anything in its path. You got the two saying, hey, 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 remember the people. And the four saying, hey, 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 remember who the fuck you are, right? So you've got that element. The other element is your growth number, which is the six. So a three, when they're really stepping into the growth, instead of being a bulldozer, you have the ability to slow down and troubleshoot what's really happening. And so, um, you know, our mutual friend that you're going to have on, she's a six. She's the ultimate strategist troubleshooter. Sometimes that strategist and troubleshooter slows us down enough to keep us out of some trouble, either emotionally, physically, whatever, financially. So you also. So the goal is for me to lean more into being a six. Is that like that's where the work is? That is where the work is. The hard part about is when we rely just on the three in you, the three will never, ever willingly go there by itself, right? The three and you will be like, yeah, we can forget the directions that my husband wants me. We're just going to finish this thing to put together. Like the three left to its own kind of ego and, and internal makeup and instinct will just be the three and won't want to slow down or troubleshoot so much. We'll deal with it when it like, forget about it. So you need the two and the four saying, remember the people 
and the four saying, remember who the fuck you are, supporting that three that's like, it's let's fucking go time to lean more into the six. Like you need your wings to get to the six. I need my wings to get to my two. And, and so these wings are like the unsung hero. Also, you'll recognize, and this is where I find compassion a lot faster for people is because I know this framework and know who I'm dealing with. You know, it started with myself. Like I could see my stress number. We each have a stress number as well. So if you are unhealthy in this situation right now, your stress number when like, oh my God, I'm going to be exposed is happening. Yeah. The nine is your stress number, which is the peacemaker, which is the zero fucks. Like I don't care about anything. I'm just going to shut down all my things emotionally because a nine under like stress can be like Eeyore, like whatever, whatever. So do you think that's what keeps, so a lot of my clients who come to me, um, that want to like, you know, live their purpose and make a profit and do all the things that are very similar to me that haven't had, like that actually haven't done the work and haven't actually like become more healthy in their Enneagram. Do you think that, that when they go to the nine, that's the reason why they quit? There's two elements. There's the a three won't do anything unless they know they're going to crush it. There's that element, but extreme stress is like shut down. They ghost you. They're MIA. Like a lot of times a three under stress, like under stress is like they quit, but they'll say, well, I've moved on to other things. It's not in alignment. Like that's an unhealthy three where they go MIA and horizontal and in the ho-hos and the Netflix and the ghosting you. That's an unhealthy nine. Also, just because they behaviorally are like you, like I'm behaviorally like you. Yeah. If I feel like I'm being controlled by something outside of myself, including a strategy that you absolutely can crush. I've done this with several coaches and therapists before I've recognized. And even with my best friend who we just did a program together, you know, she's strategist and I'm instinct. And in the beginning of it, it felt so controlled for me that I could feel myself going into my stress number. And thankfully her and I can dialogue about it and I can be vulnerable with her. I'm like, I am feeling controlled right now and I'm about to go into my cave. And I don't want to do that. So I just want you to know what emotions are coming up for me. I'm still in this. I'm not going anywhere. But my natural inclination is to go to this spot. And so you as a coach or a leader in your home or in your life or in your businesses, understanding where your people go. So when I'm working with a three and they're not just like, I'm out of alignment. I'm going to go try this instead. I'm like, okay. But if they completely go MIA, I know that their worth, their whole being is feeling like, oh my God, she sees me and I'm scared of that. What will she, what will she think if she saw the crazy that's going on in my head and the fear that I have, right? It's way easier for a three to just move on to the next thing than to get horizontal and then have somebody see it. Mm -hmm. So for a three to understand, there's a difference between moving on to something else that's shiny and that you can kill or oh my God, I'm in this cave nobody knows about. And that's the scary thing about threes is most people, you would never, ever let your husband is probably one of the few people that have seen you in a cave horizontal and shutting down the outside, right? So knowing the difference of this is me like irritated and not at my healthiest. And this is me under extreme stress, big difference in how you with compassion, um, really navigate your way out of that without some shame. Mm. It's, it's so funny because, you know, this podcast, we were talking about like the benefits of your Enneagram. And one of the things that you say on your website is like, you know, when you uh, are seen feel, or when you, when people feel you, see you and hear you, everything is possible. And I think that that is like 110% the truth, but this is the tool. And like, I'd love for you to like, for those who don't know, you know, your story or whatever, tell you, tell everyone like how you came to use this tool. But like now that you know, so if you've listened to this podcast and now that you know that this tool exists, like I I literally don't understand how anyone can do anything without knowing some like either personality test, Enneagram test. We were just talking about um, the five or uh, my husband uses this. Yeah. The five voices in his company. Like everything is just a tool now for you to use, 
for you to know what you're doing so you can serve yourself and others that you're around, whether it's your business, whether it's your relationships. Do you, are you, uh, I should have asked you before the podcast, but you said you're divorced. Are you in a relationship now? Yeah. Oh, um, that is- how's, it, how's it going? Because that must be a hard one for you, right? It is a hard one for me. And of course, he's the Enneagram type that really challenges me. Um, Which is perfect. Yeah, it's one. Considering you told me that I'm with a one, you're like, oh, fuck. It's good. Like I I joke with him. I'm like 10 years ago, if we'd gotten together, we'd be in jail. Yeah, we would. Um, (laughs) It's very passionate and intense and we're a lot alike, but it's it's like a three and an eight together. We're very passionate, intense, um, a lot alike and at our core, very, very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I get into that, yeah. um, you know, there are a lot of personality things and I love astrology. I'm all for anything that makes us more aware of ourselves, as long as we're using it for something good and not a way to justify um, why we do what we do or a way to say, this is just who the fuck I am or deal with it. Like any tool that you use has to be used for the greatest good in mind. Integrity is my number one core value in life. A hundred percent. And had I had this tool prior to 10 years years ago, I would have used it out of integrity and a further tool to manipulate, to protect myself. Not because I'm an asshole. I had asshole behaviors, but I'm not an asshole. Right. And so how I got introduced to the Enneagram, I was 40 years old. So this was 10 years ago. I was 40. I'm now like on 50s door. My kids were teenagers at the time. Um, I was in the corporate end of the car industry, which, you know, the, the ratio of men to women is about 1500 to one. And to be a woman in that industry, you got to be tough and thick skinned. And uh, quite honestly, I love the fact that most of them would look at me as blonde hair, boobs, and a pencil skirt and think, oh my God, we know why she got this job. And the minute I opened up my mouth, they're like, oh shit. Like, A, she knows her shit and she's going to take no shit, right? And although I operated like that most of my life, when I hit 40, it was kind of like the compound effect and and the perfect storm. I didn't feel like the perfect storm at the time, but it certainly was. Um, I was just out of a divorce. Um, The recession of 2008, the residual, like I lost a home. I lost a car. I lost my my humility. I was humbled. I had to, I had another business, a brick and mortar business. I had to shut down and go into the corporate end. And it was very humiliating. And I was a single parent that was the sole provider emotionally, physically, spiritually, and financially for two teenagers. So there's a lot of pressure, which an eight kind of digs. Our back is up against the wall. We shine. And although we can shine on the outside, inside, I I felt soulless and scared out of my mind because it was just a matter of time. And that matter of time came um, that summer when my father passed away after a 12-day cancer diagnosis. And it was like, oh my God, he was the strongest man I knew. He's the biggest asshole I've ever met too. With so much love I say that. Um, But I was like, wow, is like life can change on a dime and I'm 40 years old. And if this is all there is, then I, I don't know what I'm doing. The other part of this is I saw my children start to do what I did, right? The coping mechanisms weren't the healthiest, right? And even though they're different on the Enneagram, um, our kids are people that we lead. will do what we do, not what we say to do. And although I was talking a good game, I wasn't really walking a good game. And although they're very different and different from me, some of those behaviors started to show up. And why I love the Enneagram is it gets to the motive behind all of it. Everything else is really behaviorally about behaviors, which is great. We can change behaviors all day long, but if we don't know the root of why we have those behaviors to, the, to begin with, it's, we're just kicking the can down the street. And eventually when things get scary, we're going to go back to what we know, even if it's not good for us. And where the Enneagram was different is I could see why I had the behaviors I did and I could have compassion about it and realize I have just a scared little girl inside of me that is, is really just trying to survive. And so I realized I was in trouble. My coping mechanisms were alcohol, food, I was tag teamed by two eating disorders, codependency, anger, sex, power, you name it. I used it except drugs. I didn't do drugs, but I did everything else to kind of cope. And I realized I don't have 
a, a substance problem. I have a coping problem. And so I checked myself into rehab myself and put all the cards on the table to my therapist who I still see to this day. We and all need a therapist. I've said it from day one. <laughs> we do. But the, the hard part about therapy and why I have been through nine of them, and I still see her to this day is it's great that they know how to help you change. But for an eight, I want to know that you fucking walked my shoes, walked in my shoes. And that's why when all nine therapists said I should be a therapist, I'm like, I never will. I love therapy. I love psychology. I love understanding and putting the puzzle pieces of human psychology together. But I want the person sitting across from me to know that not only do I get it, I've walked it and I have your fucking back no matter what. So and I always say in coaching though, or with coaching and therapy, and tell me if like I'm off base here, but I always say the difference between coaching and therapy is this therapy. We figure out all of the reasons why coaching, we figure out how to take action on the whys. Do you believe that? that one more time for me. I believe therapy, we find out why and coaching. Now that we know why, how do we move forward through that? I think that psychology is why a lot of times, but they allow you to be a victim of it instead of just a casualty that can change it. And I think that the other problem with therapy is it moves really, really slow in the why we do what we do, which is why I loved the Enneagram is like, yeah, I understand why I'm this way. So how do we take how the action fuck on do I get out of it? Like, exactly. Like, I want to be able to reverse engineer. You have to look at the past to connect the dots. No question. 100%. But most of us go to therapy when we're in crisis. And when we're in crisis, it moving so slow feels like torture. And it doesn't really help because when we're in crisis, we will go to what we know, even if it's not good for us. And that's why only 2% stay sober. And it's why only 2% actually stay in recovery the rest of their life. And so really not only, you know, I could be, I have therapists that come see me. And even though I'm not a licensed therapist, really? I understand human psychology, but I also know how to move the fucking needle in warp speed so that not only do you understand why you do what you do, you can do something about it in real time. And the Enneagram framework allowed me to do that first for myself because mm -hmm. I was in crisis. I was in fucking rehab with two kids and walking away from the career that funded my life and theirs. That's crisis. If I, my therapist made me take the Enneagram test and I said, no, I said, I don't want a fucking another lab label on myself. I'm walking in here with eating disorders and addict and alcoholic and asshole. And I don't need another fucking label. Thank you very much. And she with so much love and she's an Enneagram eight as well. And she's from Texas. So she's <laughs> a great shooter. Anyway, she goes, my dear, this will help you actually understand the box you've been put in that you've put yourself in and others have put you in and help you get out of it with love. And my dear, your best thinking has gotten you here. So how about you just kind of roll with it? I was like, well, she's got a fucking point. And I appreciated that straight shoot. So I took the Enneagram. I was mist mistyped as a three. I realized I was an eight. And when I realized what motivated an eight, when I looked at every aspect of my life that had blown up or hadn't worked, it all came down to me protecting and automatically assuming everything that was in my path would betray or violate me. And it also made me realize that I had no intimacy anywhere in my life ever, including with my children. Mm. I would protect at all costs. Like I would only let people get here. People thought they knew me and I liked that they thought they knew me, but they never really did because never in real time ever in my life until recently in the last maybe five years, had I ever let anybody see me in real time in crisis ever, except obviously my therapist in rehab. And so the Enneagram helped me unpack whenever I feel like my defense is coming up or I'm about to say more aggressive things, I have the power of the pause and understanding of, okay, Trace, where do you feel like you're about to be betrayed or violated right now? Cause that's, what's running my show. And it allows me to lean into that little girl that feels that. And this isn't that. Like, it feels like that, but this isn't that. And instead of blowing up my life or breaking down some beautiful intimacy that I had robbed myself of my whole life, 
I can lean into it and use that beautiful instinct of who I am of the Enneagram eight and know that I know my shit. And when I'm in front of a good person, even though they might scare me a little bit with the guy that I'm dating, my best friend, my coach, they all scared me when I was in their presence the first time. But instead of putting up my defenses of my old unhealthy eight, I can lean into I'm scared because I know that they're my person. Mm. And instead of repelling it, I lean in still really challenging, still really hard, but I've got the tools of my wings and my growth number and all the beautiful things to allow me to have intimacy in my life. Intimacy is into me, you see. And the Enneagram can allow you to first see yourself, then see others, and then pay that forward in everybody you lead and love. And, and that is where I learned this. And, you know, I used it then, you know, I walked out of rehab with no job, no income. I wiped out my friend network. You know, I had to clean house of everyone because my playmates, you know, you are who you surround yourself with. No shit. And so my dysfunction, although I was responsible for it, a lot of it was enabled by the beautiful codependence that I had had structured in my life to never hold me accountable, to make me justify my bullshit, all the things. And so if I wanted something different from my life, it required something different from me. And so I cleaned house of everyone but my two children. And that's a great time to start a network marketing business, isn't it? You know, like, <laughs> hey, join my team. I know nobody. Nobody likes me. I'm that single mom that went to rehab, but I can sure change your life. <laughs> but I was humbled enough and had the framework of this. I use this in building leadership in my home. My kids never heard the word Enneagram till five years ago. So I've been using it for 10 years. They never heard it until five, but I was using it in parenting them. I used it to build seven, million, seven millionaires in my organization. Out of those seven millionaires, six different Enneagram types are represented and not one is an eight. So it's like a true testament to when you can speak the language of whoever's in front of you, whether you love or lead them or both, when you can speak their language and they feel like you're reading their mind in a loving, compassionate way, and they feel seen, heard, and understood, anything is fucking possible, even for the single mom that went to rehab, even for two children of divorce that all the statistics and stacks are against them. I have two of the most amazing, powerful, independent children. I have friendships in my life. I have three flourishing businesses and a house over my head in a place that I love. And I'm about to be 50 years old and I'm showing intimacy for a romantic partner for the first time in my life. Like talk about terrifying and I'm here for it. All of it. Oh my God. I just want to end it there. It's so freaking good. I'm, I'm so excited for you. One, I, I have two questions. One is about this. Is, yeah. is the Enneagram genetic? Okay. I believe this is my belief. And you know, there's a lot of like, I'm not like you and I are bottom line me people, right? Like yeah. there are some of you that'll be researchers out there and I totally get it. Okay. Fives and sixes and ones <laughs> out there will want to know the history of the Enneagram. And there's lots of schools of thought on it. And I will just explain it like this. It, I know you believe in God and I do too. And my favorite scriptures in Psalms, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord or woman, right? Are ordered by the Lord. He's already decided who we are. He's already decided what we're here to do. He knows we've got a calling and his vision for our life, right? So I believe the Enneagram is rooted in God's calling for our life. And this soul roadmap, the nine basic types are a, a divine gift from God. And I believe, and I've carried two babies in this belly of mine and their disposition and temperament in utero are very much who they are in the real wor world as 25 and 24 year olds today and very in tune with who they are based on their Enneagram type. So I like to say that there is like this nature and nurture aspect of the Enneagram. It's God's divine order on our life, but then we're put into an environment whether it's a family, a school system, experiences, and how that divine soul map of God that God has for us, depending on our situation, how we express God's divine plan can change. So God had this divine plan. He knew I was going to be this fucking powerhouse leader. He did. 
And then I was put into a, a very abusive alcoholic home with a mom who emotionally and spiritually neglected and abandoned me. And then I had sexual assaults. And then I had this. And then I had that. And so the expression of God's divine plan for me started to shift for survival. Right. And then we have these coping mechanisms that we learn as children that either and depending on what Enneagram type you are, will fall into one of these three categories or a little bit of each because we all have all of it. A way to find certainty, safety and significance. Like if you listen to Tony, Tony Robbins, you know that those are really yeah. important in the six things. Right. So we usually heavily fall into one of these areas. And so the expression of our true Enneagram can change the expression, right? Like if we go back to the Mother Teresa, Donald Trump expression or example, similar, right? And so what I believe that Enneagram can do for you is to bring you back to God's soul calling on your life, but with all the wisdom of your experiences, all the wisdom that comes with the pain that you've endured, that you are using for something beautiful. I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. I don't, but I do believe that everything that does happen can serve something fucking beautiful if you choose that. And if you choose to let God's divine order and you get back to it. And the Enneagram is just the roadmap back to that, quite honestly. I am still the same little firecracker I was as a kid, but with a lot more wisdom, a lot more experience, a lot more compassion. And it isn't like white knuckling it to stay safe, right? I can like loosen the grip on it and know that I am safe. I am certain I am significant because I'm a child of God and not because of the things that have happened to me and the very things that maybe you listening believe, um, define who you are in not a great way. The things that I carried with me defining myself, like I was an asshole. I was this, I'm not meant for love. I'm not meant for, you know, insert your thing. Those very things I used to define me and keep me stuck are the very things that refined me into this beautiful gift that I am to myself, to my children, to anybody that I lead and to the world today. And the minute I stopped hiding from that and really embraced first myself with compassion and then allowed me to freely, you can't give anybody what you do not freely give yourself. And you may think you're like this compassionate human being, but if you are pulling out the whipping stick on yourself, what you're really giving people is codependency and enabling. It isn't compassion or it's judgment. And so it wasn't until like I allowed that to humble me enough and allow God to do his work in me and know that like, yes, I was a casualty to some really shitty things. I was. And just because that happened, doesn't mean I have to stay that I can use that. And, and actually it's those things like my worst fear was being an alcoholic because my dad was my worst fear was being like that. And my biggest fear has turned into my biggest asset as a human being today. And it allows people to know that they are understood, seen, heard and supported because I have walked this journey, but I couldn't do that until I really honored myself for that. And this is what this tool can do for you when used responsibly and in integrity. Um, that's it. That's amazing. Um, I'm just so freaking grateful that we had this conversation today. I totally did. friends. You know that, yeah. right? Okay. Well, yeah, I kind of thought we were, I'm so confused because I kind of thought we were, but yeah, there's that. like real friends now, but like, oh my, real friends. oh my God. Amazing. Okay. I'm totally down for that too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just, I'm so grateful that you shared. I'm so grateful how much I learned today. I'm so like, it's just exciting to me every time I get to talk to someone who's so passionate about what they get to do, how they know it is their like divine calling on the planet, which I I believe I have the same thing because I'm just like so passionate about what I get to do and how I get to serve. And I love how you step up and just show like you are literally like, I feel like such a calling with you because I'm like, oh my God, I feel the exact same way. Like I never, I'm just like, ah, I'm so excited. Um, so thank you for sharing today. I just, I'm, I'm so grateful that you took the time and I'm grateful that how much I learned through this. And like, I know we could do it again and again. Um, my final question I always ask everyone is this, what is one decision that you've made in your life that you are afraid to make and whether you, when you made it, it was the best decision ever. Or once you made the decision, it didn't go as you planned, but turned out, um, for a purpose. Honestly, um, it's a no brainer. It yeah. was 
September 23rd, 2012, the day that I decided I'm going to leave the stigma of being 100% Irish, Aries Fireball, Enneagram 8. How can I live a life? I mean, I was born to drink and fight as an Irish girl and to get sober and to break every generational pattern that nobody really understood why I was doing what I did. If I didn't make that decision and stay in recovery, anything I put in front of my recovery, I'm going to lose anyway. And I recognize the greatest gift I heard, and I'm having a boat and it's going to be named to this, by the way. Like every day we have a new opportunity on life. We are not cured. We are not fixed until we are in the grave or burned up and you know our ashes are flying into some beautiful place. Until our time on earth is done, our work is never done. And what we have is a daily reprieve that is contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. We all have a spiritual condition, but how we feel in our everyday is contingent on the maintenance of it. And on September 23rd, 2012, I made the decision that I am never going back, that every day I am here for it, no matter how painful it is, no matter what happens in my life. And the last two years have been so painful in loss, in all sorts of stuff. But I single-handedly in that one decision and then the work that follows daily changed the trajectory of my household. I broke the cycle of addiction in my family. I am a role model for my children that I am fucking proud of, that they are proud of so much so that they want to live with me as long as they can. Um, and not because of all the cool shit that I, I bring to the table, but because they feel like they can be whoever God designed them to be, not who mom is and not who mom wants them to be, but who God designed them to be. And then they are supported by somebody who's like, yeah, let's fucking go. September 23rd, 2012 changed my life. I have lost a lot of people because of that decision. I've lost my entire family. My entire family does not understand me. They think I'm an asshole. They think I'm a self-righteous bitch. But you know what? I changed everything about my life for my kids, for my future, for the plan that God had for me from the beginning before I was put in that fucking family. And I love them all. But sometimes we have to walk away from the very thing that built us in order to step into what God created us to be. And that's the greatest thing that I've ever done in my life. And I couldn't oh. have done it without that decision. I love it. You know? Yeah, and it, I got the Enneagram in rehab. So like, what the fuck? Awesome. Hell yeah, girl. Well, it, yes. I mean, oh my gosh. Just yes to all the things. I, I truly do believe that you make a decision. Like I always, you know, this podcast decided to try and make a decision. Then every single day you have to step up to that decision. And it's a lot of fucking hard work. And I totally agree with you when you are changing your life and you are changing like the family dynamic. My husband believes that, you know, he's doing the same thing. Like once you're doing that, it's the hardest thing ever. You're going to lose people along the way. There's a lot of people that don't fucking understand what I do and who I am and all the things, but I know exactly who I am and it's worth it every single day. Is it easy? No, but it's the best decision of your life. And you just make a decision and then there's a whole bunch of faith and action behind it. So thank you so much for sharing today. I'm just so grateful. And you allow the right people to show up in your life. You have to make room for them. And oh, 100%. You're the, you're the five people, you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with. And unfortunately, most of us spend time with the people that just gave us blood. And although they're beautiful people, and yes, they did the best they could, it doesn't mean you have what you need from them. And cleaning house allowed the right people to show up in my life so that when this got really, really hard, and it continues to just because I have recovery and all this great, these great tools, life kicks me in the teeth. And it'll kick you in the teeth, but I have the reinforcement. You know, I'm all about becoming bulletproof and becoming bulletproof doesn't mean we don't take the hits and it doesn't mean we don't feel pain. If you know somebody in law enforcement or in the military, they stand on the front line and they're the first one to take the hit and they get knocked on their ass and they pull off the, the bulletproof vest and there's marks and the adrenaline rush and the heart race and holy fuck, can you imagine what could have happened? Becoming bulletproof doesn't mean we don't take the hits or feel the pain, but it doesn't have to take us out. And having the right tools in your toolbox will A, allow you to feel so you can heal and also get your ass back up and do what you are here to do. Amen. Let's do this, sister.
Are you one of the many people each month that tell me they can't find a tribe of like-minded people who are ready to decide it's their turn? If so, I have the absolute solution for you. It's the Decide It's Your Turn Network, a tribe of like-minded, high-vibe humans who are ready to thrive in life and business. It's a community off social media in its own private app where I come in and teach twice a month live, taking your questions, connecting you with amazing humans from around the globe, all for less than $100 a month. The Decide It's Your Turn Network. You guys, check out the show notes. Find the link, christinalacure.com forward slash network. Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode of the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. If today's episode resonated with you at all, please share it with a friend. Also, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. What is it that you want us to talk about that will help you realize that at any moment, in any day, you too can decide it's your turn. I'm Christina LeCure. I'll see you next time.